Hello everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life, a ministry of the International Outreach Church Partnership Evangelism. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about how you can help us reach lost people around the world by raising up evangelists in every place. Or go to breadoflifeboise.org to learn about our missions fellowship in Boise, Idaho. We believe that God decrees all things according to his will, but we must be careful not to extrapolate out of such a faith an idea that runs against faith. We must believe that God has decreed to work in history in response to our prayers. God says in Jeremiah 33:3, "Call upon me and I will answer and show you great and mighty things which you know not." Oh Church of Christ, if you only knew the authority with God you have in prayers, you would pray more boldly and more believingly. You would answer the call of 1 Timothy 2.8, that in every place men would be found at prayer. I want to emphasize here that we're being called to do something that activates the hand of God Almighty to those causes that he himself holds dear. We are being called to do something that activates the hand of God Almighty to those causes that he himself has declared he holds dear. This is not, our prayers are not a superfluous act that make us feel spiritual. They're not even simply aids. We're not to be praying so that we can somehow be aided in our own spiritual growth and development because it's good for us, although it is good for us. This is not a divine game of Simon Says that God is playing where he just wants to see if we'll do what he asks us to do. These prayers that God is calling us to, God has mysteriously and sovereignly commanded from us, go out from our lips to move his hand to do things beyond us in the world around us and on the world in which we live. And God has willed that our prayers should move his own hand in this way. It is as if in prayer God brings us into his own counsels and the counsels of his own purposes, and he gives us a voice to speak before him. God is commanding upon us the dignity of causality. We effectually influence the outcomes of his working through our prayers. God is all-powerful. He is the all-powerful God, and he exercises full control over what he does and how he works. But we can see here that God has determined to direct that power in response to our prayers. Prayers that he forms by his spirit on our lips and the lips of those who are surrendered and obedient to the spirit. Awaken his passions and his work in his arm to answer on our behalf. And when we obey in this way, God intervenes to withhold judgment in some cases. And when we obey in this way, God intervenes to pour out judgments in other cases in answer to our prayers. Your prayer. Church of Christ, if you could only see this and believe it, your prayer does impact real changes by the hand of God in your world. It does. Jesus has commanded that we pray and not lose heart. God has given us prayers that we don't just fatalistically stand by and passively watch the world and life play out before us. We're to be engaged by prayer and cultivating the outcomes. God has invited us into this by his own will, by the will of the sovereign, all-powerful God. This is what he wants from us. And God works in this way. I want to read a couple more passages to you. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 22. 
Here, Ezekiel is surveying a calamity that has come upon Israel. They have been taken captive and led away into Babylon. Their nation has been left in ruins by the hand of the Babylonians. The rebellion of the people against God has mounted to such a point that God has poured out inevitable judgments upon them and they've, they've struck them down and drawn them away from this promised land and the temple is in ruins and, and God speaks through Ezekiel to explain why this has happened and oddly enough what God says is there is a cause, a more significant cause than just the sins of the people. There was like a last link in the chain that ultimately broke and drew the people or dropped the people down into this judgment. Here's what Ezekiel writes in Ezekiel 30, 31. God speaking through Ezekiel. Ezekiel 22, verses 30 and 31. God says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore I poured out mine indignation upon them, and I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath, their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, says the Lord. I've given them what they deserve, but what ultimately, what ultimately broke the chain and brought this judgment was I found no one to stand in the gap at prayer and intercede for this people and stand before this people for my justice. Listen, actually, just shortly before this calamity takes place, Jeremiah speaks to it, looking to the future. Ezekiel's looking to the past and explaining what's happened. Jeremiah's looking to the future and explaining why it's going to happen. And take your Bibles and turn to Jeremiah chapter 5. There, Jeremiah is instructed or told by God to go out among the city of Jerusalem and find righteous people who might be able to intercede and stand in the way of justice in order to preserve and protect the city from judgment. Jeremiah 5, verses 1 through 6, this is what we read. Run to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem and look and take note. Search your squares to see if you can find a man, one who does justice and seeks truth, that I may pardon her. Though they say, as the Lord lives, yet they swear falsely. In other words, instead of finding people at prayer, he finds people at pretense, playing the game of religion. O oh Lord, Jeremiah says, do not your eyes look for truth? You have struck them down, but they've felt no anguish. You have consumed them, but they've refused to take correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to repent. Instead of a broken and contrite heart before God as he comes upon them with his corrections, they're presenting to him ever-hardening hearts unmoved by God's corrections, unmoved by the indication of God's judgments, mounting up to one conclusive judgment. Instead of turning back to seek God and intercede and pray, they don't pray. They make a pretense of their religion. They don't turn to him. Then I said, these are only the poor. They have no sense, for they do not know the way of the Lord and the justice of their God. I'll go to the great and I'll speak to them, for they know the way of the Lord and the justice of their God. I'll go and see and look and see if the man is among the leadership of the nation. But they all alike had broken the yoke. They had burst the bonds. Therefore, a lion from the forest shall strike them down. A wolf from the desert shall devastate them. A leopard is watching their cities. Everyone who goes out of them shall be torn in pieces because their transgressions are many and their apostasies are great. Jeremiah sees it coming. Ezekiel looks back upon the devastation once it came. Both note the final cause. No one was there to stand for righteousness and to stand in the gap to intercede for the land. Remember that what God has declared will happen, will happen. But also remember that God has given us influence on the timeline 
We may, from our perspective, delay the execution of God's final judgments. We may, from our perspective, even interrupt the full climax of mounting judgment and even draw ourselves and our society back into times of extended favor so that there might be an extended time of opportunity for grace and mercy. But we must believe this is true. We must understand that it's true and this is what God is teaching us himself even as he calls us to pray and accept Accept the commanded responsibility from God to pray and to stand in the gap and to weep over our world and to seek God's intervention for times of ongoing fruitful labor to reach lost people for Jesus Christ. This is God's desire for us. This is what we're to submit to according to his sovereign purposes. This is what he wants to discover in every place where the church resides, a people who are at prayer. In Exodus chapter 17, we have the story of uh, the Amalekites that are coming upon the nation of Israel as they're wandering from their captivity in Egypt and making their way to the promised land. And the Amalekites are seeking to interrupt them and to destroy them in the wilderness. Moses goes to Joshua and says, Joshua, you get your men and you go out to battle. And while you go out to battle, I'm going to go up with the staff of God, the rod of God on a hill above where the battle site is, and I'm going to be interceding for you. And in the story, as these... The armies of Israel meet the armies of the Amalekites struggling, these slaves that are going out with sticks and staves to fight this army that's prepared to meet them. As they go out to meet them to to battle for their own existence and for their continuing as a nation, Moses is up on the hillside and he has a rod of God and he's holding it up over them and he's interceding and he's praying. And The story is told that as Moses is praying, as his arms weary and they go down holding the staff up, that As the arms of his intercession become weary and go down, the tide turns and uh, the tide turns and the Amalekites begin to get the best of the Israelites. Two individuals go to Moses at that time and they prop him up and they hold his arms up so that he can continue to keep praying so that the battle can be won and Israel can be preserved and protected to live another day to experience God's grace and God's promises. Now, That story is not told to us, and maybe you learned that as a little child in Sunday school, but it was not told for your entertainment. It was told for your instruction. Battles are won in prayer. Tides of good and evil turn on our prayers or lack thereof. Key moments of national rescue will one day be plainly viewed as God's glorious response to the humble and holy prayers of his people. Key moments of national upheaval and destruction may reveal that No man was standing in the gap. And so the lion and the wolf and the leopard descended upon the land tooth and claw. If this is the hour when God determines not to stay the hand of his judgment and wrath and to unleash it upon this age, then let it not be said that it happened because he did not find us holding faith on the earth, that he did not find us at watch in prayer for the loss of our nation and those among the nations. God says, I desire in every place the men should pray. Lord, may we not be playing the game of religion ourselves. May we not be holding on to rhythms and expressions that just suit us well and provide us with notes of comfort week in and week out. Lord, we thank you for the sweetness of your fellowship and the fellowship of your people. We thank you for the, um, the sound of your truth that comes over us, that encourages us that you're there, that you're a God of comfort and a God of care and a God of love and that you care for your own. But God, as we renew ourselves in this reality, 
You've left us here for a purpose. You've given the ages and you've let man go on living from the time that Adam and Eve fell for a purpose. That you might draw men to yourself. You've redeemed us, you've saved us, but then you've allowed us to remain here so that we might have and carry forward your ministry of mercy on those around us. You've given us a purpose and a design. You've even identified it in our, our role. We are a, to be a kingdom, a priest to our God. Priests who stand in the gap, praying for their communities and their world and wanting, oh God, to communicate back to those that we live before your truth and your way and your life so that men might see you and know you and repent and believe in the salvation you provided through your son, Jesus. And so God, what we ask is that a, a new commitment right, might rise from us and our community. That this year might find us more and more given to achieve a life of intercession, praying, supplicating you, O oh God, for the strategic conditions and movements of your hand so that men and women might be turned back to you in faith and belief and so that we might be free to proclaim that message to as many as possible. Can we think how to pray in such a way that the answer may have the potential of more and more people learning about Jesus and his love for them and his provision to save them? Think about it. Pray it out. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of church partnership evangelism and the Bread of Life in Boise, Idaho. We're at work to take this gospel to the ends of the earth, and we need your prayers and support. To learn more, go to traincpe.org or breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, may God bless you.